Good morning. It's good to be here. Uh, just to make it clear, I'm not the one with child. My wife is. <laughs> Might look that way, but uh, no. We we spent this last uh, kind of week out in Idaho getting a, a quick trip in to see Evie's parents. Um, and typically we try to go out there during Thanksgiving, but our babies are due in the middle of October. So we figured it would be a lot easier to travel now uh, than later with, with the five of them. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Travis Kaufman. Um, my wife is Evie, and then I have three kids right now outside of the womb, two inside. Um, and uh, that is sure a, a fun thing, a blessing. And uh, one of the great encouragements I had was from my seven-year-old daughter last night. We went up to the demolition derby uh, up at the fairgrounds. And it was kind of late when we got home, so she was kind of in a zombie mode, I guess, very tired. But I went in to tell her goodnight, um, to give her a hug, and she, in her sleepiness, kind of looked at me and she said, Dad, I hope things go well tomorrow. I'm praying for you. So that was a really great encouragement, and I really appreciated that. Um, well, today we're going to be in First Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be going through verses 1 through 13, which is a pretty big uh, chunk of scripture. But I think it's very fitting for today, being that we're having our our annual meeting um, where we vote on elders and deacons and and kind of those offices in the church uh, with the the service of the church. And uh, make sure, okay, it's working good. Um, This starts out with another trustworthy saying. And if we back up to the first chapter of 1 Timothy, we see the first one. It's just talking about um, the fact that Jesus came and he died for sinners. And so I think it's really important that we remember and kind of place this in the context of, of Scripture in the passage, what it's talking about in regards to what Jesus has done for us. And that he came to this earth and he lived and he died in my place, in your place, for our sin. And uh, we can experience hope and joy and freedom because of what Christ has done. And so that's kind of building the, the foundation of really as we move into the organization of the church. Before we get too much further into this, I'd like to just pray with you real quick. And uh, then we'll open it up here. Father God, I thank you for your love and your grace. I thank you so much for the gift of your Son, who came, who lived on this earth as a man, yet fully God. And and Lord, I thank you that he was willing to go to the cross for my sin. And Lord, I thank you that uh, because of what he has done, I have hope. And Lord God, I pray that others will, will know that hope, that they'll get to experience the joy that is only found in Christ. Just thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start out with an illustration that my father-in-law experienced back in 1974. My father-in-law is Bill Bagley. He's one of the missionaries that we support uh, here at Monument. They're the ones that we went and visited out in Idaho. Um, But this was right out of college. He writes this, In 1974, when I finished my studies at Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music, I was called to become the pastor of Tuscola Community Church. 
I was excited to step into ministry and put into practice on the field what I had learned in the classroom from, for the previous five years. I pictured myself taking the small town church to new heights of growth and outreach and becoming its seasoned pastor over many years of dedicated service. That euphoria of expectation lasted until my first official board meeting on Wednesday night, right before prayer meeting. I can speak now about these men and women who served on that board because, with the exception of the two women, only one of the men is still living. Two of the men were divorced and remarried, but really great guys. One man wasn't that. Uh, one man wasn't there that night. In fact, he came to just one board meeting that whole year, the week he would annually come to church and put in his tithe for the year. Another man became, in the three years I pastored there, my most difficult opponent in the work. Still, another came to the meeting that night, puffing away on a huge cigar. The final man in the sextet of sad spiritual leadership was known all over town, I soon found out, for the foulest mouth in the community. Then to top it off, five-sixths of, the, of these leaders walked out to pursue their own interests that night, just as others in the congregation were arriving to attend that weekly prayer meeting. I got a first-hand lesson in the importance of character and the leadership of a church. Biblically, elders are the human instruments for the divine direction of the local church. And we're going to look at deacons and elders uh, today through this passage. But I think that that's just such a, a great testimony to, as a, a young college guy, uh, just graduated Bible college, looking forward to the ministry, and to be put into a situation where there really wasn't a biblical standard uh, for the leadership in that church. And it, it causes a lot of uh, problems and tensions and there can be several different reasons um, that maybe a board or, or leadership gets to that point. Um, and one of those things could be that there's really nobody that is desiring to step up to plate, the plate to serve. I think I broke it already. These are microorganisms, and uh, I just remember when I was going to community college, some of the things that we studied, it was just amazing that on a microscopic level, um, these tiny little creatures have really uh, sophisticated uh, makeup, and the way that everything works together for them to move around and to eat and to grow um, is pretty incredible. Um, But when we think about the church, the church is an organism, and really, when you think about an organism, if it's without organization, it will die. You know, we could look at our bodies, and, and Scripture is very clear about the, the body of Christ, um, is that there's a unity when the body of Christ works together. And so you don't have the hand going off and doing its own thing and saying we don't need the foot or the eye, um, you know, being off on its own own place in the brain, trying to do its own thing. Um, if that was the case, there would be uh, really big problems. And the same thing happens in the church, is that when there's a, a disconnect, when there's uh, a failure maybe at the leadership level, for people who are supposed to set pace, then you get this big disunity, um, and the church as an organism is really failing. Um, 
And so it's very important as we look at these passages today that we think about and, and we consider um, who those leaders are that, that take those offices. And uh, speaking from experience um, here at Monument, uh, I think it's so awesome, the leadership that we do have. Um, I hear horror stories from other people about their boards and meetings and how heated they get. Um, and not to say that you know everybody on our board is you know perfect people, um, but they really desire to do what's right, um, not by man's eyes, but by what God's word says. And uh, so they're looking out for others' needs, and and uh, it's great to see those guys love one another. First Corinthians fourteen forty. Thank you. First uh, Corinthians fourteen forty says, "But all things must be done properly, and in an orderly manner." And so we have the offices of elders and deacons um, established for order. And uh, we're going to get into the passage now. So if you want to turn there to First Timothy chapter three, we're going to start in verse one. It says, "It is a trustworthy statement." If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Oh. I thought I had a different side. It's all right. Um, here we have the office of overseer, the elder, the deacon, um, the bishop, maybe pastor. Um, and so often we look at this and we see that this this office is something that maybe we haven't encouraged our, our students, our children. That is something that they should push for and want to desire to be. But here it says that if this is something that you desire, it is a good thing to desire. Of all the things that you could desire to do, you know, this is one of those things that would be really good. And uh, it's not to just be taken lightly because there is a, a big accountability that goes along with it. Um, it's a big role. It's a big job. I think about the elders here at Monument and the many different roles that they play. But primarily, um, it's, it's the teaching and uh, the prayer to call on people. Um, it's not always just fun things. It's, it's dealing with sin and, and um, through that, you know, sharing the love of Christ with others and being there when people lose loved ones or go through hardship. It's to come alongside the body of Christ and to to be an encouragement. Um, but also, um, sometimes they have to play the role of rebuking. <clears throat> As we go through this, we, we're going to look at the wonderful desire, the elder, um, overseer, bishop, pastor, spiritual leadership, servant leadership, what's the character of a deacon, and the result of faithful serving. Um, careful. If we turn over to, to Acts chapter 6, when I was in Bible school, they often called this Acts the uh, kind of a transitional book. Um, and in a lot of ways it is because it is the beginning of the church. And so you see a lot of things being developed and put into place um, as the issues kind of come up. And that's what we're going to be looking at in Acts chapter 6. Um, it's really neat to think as, as you start through chapter 2 and, and the Holy Spirit coming on the men and, and how the church grew 
And daily, people were coming to faith in Christ, placing their faith in Christ. Um, by the thousands, they were growing. And uh, they started to have some issues um, with the amount of people um, to serve and love on these people. So in Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the Hellenistic Jews were basically the Jews who uh, learned the Greek language and adapted to some of those Greek cultures. And then you have the Hebrew the Hebrews who were more traditional. So maybe you want to call it that you had the conservative, you know, more traditional people and those who were changing up to the contemporary music. I don't know. Um, it says, In the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables, but select from among you, brethren, seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so here you have the, the disciples, the apostles, who um, saw a need and they heard this kind of decisive, divisive um, situation that was coming up. But they knew what God had uh, commissioned them to do, what he had called them to do. And that was to teaching the word of God, the gospel, and the prayer in uh they saw a true need, though, and so they told the people, um, select those from among you uh, to go and help serve, to meet that need. And we're going to look at that later on as we look at deacons. Um, but these guys, their main role was to teach the word uh, and to prayer. They were, they were concerned about the spiritual um, health of the body. Get these in order here. Um, when we think about an elder, going back to, we're going to look at this big list of requirements and things. But one of the things going back to the the desire is that when it comes to leadership, we want to look for those who uh, are the cream of the crop. Uh, talking about in a milk context, you know, the cream rises. And I haven't ever been really around cows and stuff, so I'm not an expert on this. Um, but from from my study and from what I read is that fresh milk from the cow, uh, you let it set for a while and the, the cream rises. They scoop that up and that's the, that's the stuff that's more expensive. Um, we're not going to get into the detail of why it floats and all that because it's kind of gross. Um, but, but really the cream rises to the top. And so the people who, who are actively doing and living out um, these requirements for eldership, for overseers, those are the ones that are going to be easy to identify. And uh, the other thing is, maybe maybe you do desire someday to be in a leadership position like that. It's a good thing. You know, here are some things that you can use as an evaluation in your walk with God. Um, maybe there's areas that you need to work on. In Luke sixteen ten, it says, "He who is faithful in a very little thing." is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. And I think that that has great application. Um, you know, here we have just some, I mean, not, I don't think they're too extreme of, of requirements for eldership, 
But it's really a test of, of character and a, a continual thing. Um, Pastor Jake has said before, the, the proof is in the continuance. Um, day-to-day, in-and-out living. And uh, it's not the expectation of perfection. Um, the expectation is to glorify God. Um, but these guys are the ones who, when they, when they do mess up, um, how do they handle it? You look at the life of David. One of the great things about David, uh, he had some pretty good screw-ups in his life. Pretty major ones. Um, you know, having somebody killed to cover up your sin uh, is a pretty extreme thing. But when David realized his sin, and he really was broken before God, it is incredible to see how, how repentant he was. And we read that in the Psalms, um, just where his heart was. And so, if God can use a guy like David, you know, I think that he can um, use some hot-tempered uh, people that he can do a work through and in them. One, one quick thing that I do want to say is that um, as I was thinking about the godly desire to be in this position, we struggle so much with competition in the world that we live today. It's always a competition. If I can you know, climb up the ladder of success, people will be looking at me. And I was thinking a lot about that, is how do you gauge that? How do you keep the pride in check? And uh, one of the things that I came across was that um, the determining thing might be this. The man has a sincere desire to do a good work for God as a leader in the church. So that's a good, good desire. But this must be coupled with the sincere desire for a godly walk and a life lived above reproach from moral failure and minimizing sin. And uh, so I think it's really the character through and through of who this individual is, is that they live it day in and day out. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and read kind of the rest of these verses. Verse 2, An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he may not fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be, a, be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or, fine, or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let these also first be tested. Let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, there's the slide I was looking for earlier. Uh, yeah. So here we go into the, the qualifications of, a, of an elder, of an overseer. Um, and first of all, we talked about he must have a desire. He must want to do that. 
Um, like my father-in-law was talking about, maybe, maybe in his first church, maybe the board or, or the, the leadership was made up of individuals who didn't really want to do it, but um, they did it because they needed people. And, uh, you know, some church constitutions might have a requirement. We need, you know, seven or, or so guys um, for this to function properly. Um, and that can be very dangerous um, because you might only have two guys that are truly qualified for those positions. And uh, I believe the word of God to be true and that we need to uh, make sure that we apply that. And so um, we must, you know, go with the two instead of the seven. That his word trumps um, what, what man comes up with. Uh, so he must have a desire to serve. Um, he's a man. Above reproach. Uh, this word literally means nothing to take hold upon. Um, there is nothing that Satan uh, can use against him. And uh, before we, I guess, dive into this list too extensively, one thing that I would really like you guys to think about as I was going through this is kind of hard because um, we don't want to create the mindset that we're looking at our leadership um, under this, this magnifying glass and using this as a way to come against them. Um, now we want to, you know, sin is sin and call it that. Um, but we want to be careful that we, that we love on those people. And, you know, maybe somebody once was um, caught up in, in drunkenness. Um, but that was 15 years ago and they, they had no longer had a problem with alcohol. You know, is God the God of restoration? Does he forgive sin? And can he do a work in a person's life? Yeah. And I think that that's something that's so awesome to see is that um, God doesn't look at us through the lens of all the stuff that we've done in the past, but he looks at our heart and the condition that it's in now. And uh, Jesus came and he died um, so that we could be made right with God. So I don't know if, if we call them God glasses that we would put on, but just to have the mindset um, of, of, you know, just because you were one way in the past doesn't mean that's who you're going to be for the future. Um, we did this last week in our, in our Sunday school class. I asked the question, how many of you have lied? And most everybody put their hand up. And I said, you know what that makes you, right? And they're like, yeah, a liar. <laughs> well, maybe that was in the past, because um, if you're no longer a liar, that's not true of you. Uh, it might have been true of your past. So above reproach, nothing um, that can be, be criticized, um, nothing that Satan can take hold upon. Faithful to his wife, um, the husband uh, of one wife. Um, we live in a culture in a day and age where there is just stuff flying on TV screens and billboards and the internet that's coming at guys left and right. Um, and I think that this is just such a, a huge area um, that a man's heart and his, his thoughts remain pure before God. Um, so many times uh, we might equate this that, ooh, uh, we might equate this that that people are only being unfaithful if they go out and actually um, 
spend time with another woman. Uh, but you can do this in your heart, in your mind, in your eyes, and the things that you're filling your, your life with. Um, so, so the commitment that he made in his marriage vows to continue that on. To exercise self-control. Um, to keep your head in all situations. I struggle with that sometimes. Um, short temper and, and uh, usually at the end of it I feel very foolish. Um, to live wisely. Uh, to have a serious attitude uh, about uh, what God has called them to do. To be serious about uh, the word of God. Of good behavior or orderly. Uh, having things in order. Being organized. Hospitable. Uh, this literally means loving the stranger. And in, in the New Testament churches, we look at it, there were a lot of travelers who went from place to place. And to be hospitable meant to really open up your home to a stranger. And that is so foreign in a lot of ways to us today. Um, we have our fortresses that oftentimes we keep our windows covered and, and uh, kind of give the appearance that nobody's home at times. But are you, are you hospitable? Um, must be able to teach. And this is the, the huge, I think, distinction um, between elders and deacons is that uh, this is of very high importance is that being able to teach the Word of God um, and to do it in a right, um, God-designed way. Not given to wine, not a heavy drinker. Obviously, that somebody who has an addiction to alcohol or has a problem with drunkenness, drinking to the point where they're no longer of sober mind, and you look back at the list, that really affects a lot of those other areas, you know, uh, sets the temper off, could create problems with with faithfulness and marriage and those types of things. Not violent. This person doesn't go out looking for a fight. Uh, Patient, and the better word here is gentle. Um, But really, the elders listen um, and and they hear kind of what's going on. And at times, too, a gentleness in the reproving uh, of those who might be living in sin. Not quarrelsome, um, not troublemakers, not trying to, to start a fight, and not lovers, lovers of money. Um, so often, this can, can really hinder people in their ministry, pastors especially. Um, there's those who are tent makers and who lead a church, um, but they go out in the pursuit of of the things of the world and, and money really can be their first love, um, taking the place of the ministry of the church. To manage his family well, children who respect and obey him. Um, I don't think that this is saying that that individual's children are perfect because I don't believe that there are any perfect children. Uh, But I do believe that it's having a knowledge and an understanding of what's going on in your children's lives and doing something about it. Um, to not just be sitting back and letting kind of let things uh, fall how they're going to fall, but really being aware and taking the steps to work on that. And, and this is a, a high priority and uh, an elder who really desires um, to honor God 
would have this as a high priority. If his, if his kids are out of line, uh, hopefully he would you know, be willing and humble enough to take the step down from the position of leadership while he deals with that situation. And then lastly, or uh, sorry, not a new believer. Um, the word here is novice, one newly planted. And I tried to find out what maybe time frame this would be, but I never really was able to come up with, um, you know, a certain years they have to be saved for five years, seven years, ten years. But when we really look at this, this is somebody who um, has been a, a believer for a while, who's experienced the ups and downs of their faith. Um, so often there's new believers, and it's really exciting to see somebody come to Christ and be fired up for the Lord. Um, and sometimes it's almost sickening how excited they are because it starts to make you feel bad maybe about your walk. But they haven't really hit any hard times in their, in their spiritual walk. Um, and if you put a believer who is new and who has never experienced that, how are they going to react uh, when they're faced with something that's difficult? And so I think that's such a, a great thing is that we be careful that um, you know, this is for those who are maybe a little more seasoned, who have been walking with the Lord for a time. And I, again, this is something that is looked at and evaluated um, by the leadership. And then outside of the church, to have a good re- reputation. Um, you know, I think that that's so great. I've shared this possibly in the past in my, my testimony, but when I was in junior high, I really kind of lived the double standard life. Um, I could say the right things around my parents and teachers and, and pastors and, and uh, kind of knew how to play the, that Christian walk and that look. But when I was around friends at school, uh, I had a terrible mouth and uh, I was two completely different people. I was one person who acted like he was honoring God, but in the reality of who I really was in my heart, um, I was completely opposed to God. And uh, it's really cool because God used the transition from uh, one school to another to get my attention and to show himself to me in, in a real way. And uh, it's such an awesome thing. Uh, we're going we're gonna to jump into the deacon part of this now and the character of a deacon. And there's not a whole lot of uh, real big distinctions with these. Um, but when we think back uh, to, the, to the Acts passage... And it's just talking about, they, they found these seven guys who they basically said, these guys have been doing um, what, what you're talking about. They have already been doing uh, the work. And they were full of the Spirit. Uh, they were wise. And so they were what we would call probably the first deacons, those to go out and to serve. And that's really what deacon means as a servant. Um, we have so many people who maybe aren't in the official role of deacon here, but have such a great servant heart. And I think that's such an awesome thing, and it's a testimony of uh, God's word uh, being true in your life. The requirements of deacons. Oh, yeah, I got another slide. He's respected by others. Um, you know, he, he has earned that respect. Integrity. He's not double-tongued. Um, he, he is who he is through and through. He's not a heavy drinker, not given to wine, again. Um, is not controlled by that. 
and does not drink to get drunk. And, uh, you know, maybe that's, that's other things as well, um, other kinds of maybe addictions and things that can take um, control of your life. He's honest with money. Um, and here's the big one, that he's doctrinally sound. And I think that it's really interesting is that the elders, you know, they have the ability to teach, but yet the deacons, it's not just saying, well, you guys don't have to, you know, teach, so don't worry about what God's word says. It says that they're supposed to be doctrinally sound. Um, it says in verse 9, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And uh, the mystery of the faith is the, the truth of God's word that has been revealed to those who are saved. Uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, with a clear conscience, just a quick thing on the conscience is how do you keep your conscience clear? Uh, and, and you do that by treasuring your faith in Christ more than anything else and do what you know is right. Each time you deliberately ignore your conscience, you are hardening your heart, and over a period of time, your capacity to tell right from wrong will diminish as you walk with God. He will speak to you through your conscience, letting you know the difference between right and wrong. Be sure to act on those inner tugs so that you do what is right. And then your conscience really will remain clear. And I really believe that it's the Holy Spirit working through His Word. As we invest and we spend time in His Word, um, He is going to build in us the, the ability for us to know right from wrong. And uh, we can definitely quench the Spirit when we are living in sin. Um, verse 11 says, Women... Likewise, be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate and faithful in all things. And uh, for women to have the same uh, standards, uh, to be servants uh, to others, that there is also um, this requirement for them as well. And then to go on, and talking about let deacons be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. Um, I think it's kind of cool that, they throw, that verse 11 is thrown in there. Um, kind of makes a division that really, I think, points out very well that um, this is not a you-have-to-be-married position. Um, but if you are married, it goes on and says, these are the things that, that you should be doing. Um, we're going to close it out with, maybe, the... The results of faithful serving. And uh, first of all is that you're respected by others or you gain respect from others. Um, I just read there's a YouTube video that went viral about a police officer who had been serving on the force for like 20 years and he's never had to complain against him. Um, maybe you guys have seen the video. You know, I don't know if he's like handing out free candy as he gives people tickets or what, but... Um, you gain the respect as you love people in a godly way. And uh, as you serve others uh, in these roles, you gain their respect. The second is an increased confidence in their faith, a boldness that is produced from serving well. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And to think about how as we, as we live and we walk in the truth of, of God and bring glory to him, 
um, how that really establishes and builds our faith, to know that what I'm doing is right. I think oftentimes about as you're driving down the road and, and uh, maybe you guys are like me, driving down the road, a police officer passes you. What's the first thing you do? Slam on your brakes and look down at the speedometer. Um, but, you know, this is that, that mentality is that if I'm doing what is right, I don't need to slam on the brakes and check. Uh, I have that confidence. And, uh, you know, maybe the speed limit changed on you and you'll get a ticket anyway. But um, it creates a boldness. And like Jake said, that we can boldly become come before the throne. Um, what an awesome thing is to build our faith with, with Christ. So, so by way of application, to close this out this morning, um, there's a lot of requirements. And not everybody is called to the role of, of an elder or to the role of a deacon. Um, maybe that's not something that you're aspiring to. Um, but something that you could use as an evaluation tool is to go through that list. Because I believe that these are all things that bring God glory. And maybe to go through and just evaluate where you're at in your life and however, however you do that, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10. Um, and then to go before God and say, God, how could I get to a 10 because I want to serve you more? Um, are you desiring to live a godly life? Whether or not it's to become a leadership in the church, but are you desiring to bring glory to God? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your truth. God, I thank you for the leadership that we do have here at Monument. And how these guys are, are lovers of you, of lovers of the word, lovers of each other, and, and the people of this body. And so God, I pray that we would continue to hold them up, lift them up in prayer. Because we know that Satan is ready to attack. He's ready to seek, kill, and destroy those who are bringing you glory. God, I thank you so much for your love, your grace, and the hope that we have in you. And Lord, I pray that we go from this place today um, excited about what you're going to be doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to invite the usher.